Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. I'm a professional intuitive, but I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most new age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Saturday, April 25th, 2020, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm sharing a real-world example of how I process intuitive hits as they are happening. I spent a lot of my early pandemic lockdown time freaked out about some completely random escalating medical crisis that might require me to go to an emergency room. And after a lifetime of successfully avoiding this particular medical emergency, it happened now of all times, of course, but it ended up being one of the best healthcare experiences that I've ever had. It had stranger angels all over it. You may have seen my Facebook posts about this already, so bear with me while I catch everyone up on the basics of the situation. I just want to say that I probably sound like a hyperactive, scattered mess on this segment. It was recorded after not being able to sleep at all for four nights due to the medication that saved my ass, and I'm very grateful, and it was worth it. Um, But I did want to share the intuitive hits and synchronicities that I experienced before they recede too far into the rearview mirror. So that's coming up in just a few. As always, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show, so be thinking about a question or concern you have. Hold it in your mind, and I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra message. We need more than a quick thank you to Patreon supporters again this week. You guys really responded to my call for help, not only with pledges, but with tons of wonderful affirming messages and personal stories about what this show means to you. There are a few who came in on that big wave that I didn't get to thank yet on last week's episode. So a special thank you this week to new supporters, Dawn, Alexandra, Amag and Janice, and also a thank you to James and Helen for editing your pledges and upgrading them a little bit. Thank you to all of you who continue to pledge your support. It demonstrates how much you want this podcast to continue. That means the world to me, and it's also saving my job. For your information, please note I have not yet received any of these new funds. You will not be charged for new pledges or upgraded pledges until next month, uh, the first week of May. They usually process around the 5th. So hang with me until at least then if you're just doing it for the month or something. And thank you again uh, to find out how you can become a patron and support my time in producing this show and access some extra bonus content please go to patreon.com slash shift your spirits. One more thing I want to mention before we get to today's segment is the shift your spirits book club. I announced this in the shift your spirits community Facebook group, and you can find all the details on my post there. Um, this will take place also in that group as a featured discussion. Um, I've thought about hosting a virtual book club for this community for over a decade. It's one of those projects I never quite get around to. I read so much for work. I read so much for pleasure. And even still, I'm also a really slow-ass reader. So I'm announcing this in advance, and we'll take the whole month to give everyone a chance to read the book. 
I have a few titles I'd like to anoint Oprah style, but I thought it might be cool to pass the baton and allow different members of the community to pick the book and host the discussion. We'll create a spoiler thread in our Facebook community where only those who have finished or are deep enough into the book that they want to read comments can um, engage in some discussion without other people seeing it um, too soon if they're still working on the book. The Shifter Spirits Book Club pick for May 2020 is Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. We're going to read it in May and discuss it toward the end of the month. So go ahead and start reading it whenever you hear this. Read it now. We can finish at different times. Just let me know when you're ready to chat about it, and I'll put up that spoiler thread in the group because I know somebody's going to finish before me. The ebook is less than $10. It's also in Kindle Unlimited for those of you like myself who have that subscription. And there's still time to order a paperback if you prefer to do that. There's a link on my post, and I've also put that in the show notes. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. I hope you enjoy it. I had to take a hiatus week last week um, under emergency circumstances. I had the worst case of poison ivy that I've had since I was a child. I am highly allergic to it. And over the years, I've become really adept at managing not to get it or to get rid of it quickly. I know every old school home remedy for poison ivy that you can name. Um, 99% of the ones that you're going to name are um, something that you need to do within the first day of having it. Just, Just so you know. Anything that you know that's like, oh, do this for poison ivy, you better be doing that within the first 24 hours or it, it just doesn't even count because if you are highly allergic to it and you have it for more than two days, then you go into an allergic reaction that's not about anything happening topically on the skin. Um, so I moved beyond the point that I... Um, am normally able to control it and I ended up just absolutely covered with it Um, and I was on I think day 16 at the time that I posted about what was going on and um, started to really just lose the battle with thinking that um, I was going to get over it Uh, without some medical intervention. The thing is, of course, this is all happening during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's spring 2020. It's the one time that you don't want to go to a walk-in clinic, that you don't want to go to the doctor or the emergency room with some other problem. Uh, And I, I think kind of in the back of my mind, one of my bigger fears is like getting hurt and having to go to the you know, hospital for something unrelated and then picking up some infection. I always think that every time um, I visit a hospital or a public school for that matter. (laughs) But anyway, um, you know, this is not a public service announcement about poison ivy. Uh, Those of you who are highly allergic to it already know that you are and have been dealing with it for a really long time and just know that, you know, there are plenty of people who don't seem to be very affected by it or, um, are able to, you know, do some over-the-counter treatments those first few days and get over it, and it's fine. It's no big thing. But as with, you know, any kind of allergy, your body is responding to the presence of some small invader with 
all of the you know nuclear options at its disposal at its disposal so it's you know your body in some cases fighting itself as much as you know whatever the infection might be so since i am here though talking about poison ivy on a spirituality podcast um it's a big part of my life it's one of the only things that i really am highly allergic to that could uh, do this to me and so i just want to put a little bit of it in your brain maybe so that it will be out there for you if you do encounter it or maybe you end up one day having a little kid that's allergic to it and goes outside and gets it um so one of the hardest things really to deal with is just identifying it um you know there's all those sayings about leaves of three let them be and it's like you go in the woods and you start looking at things that have three leaves and there's like 20,000 species of things that have um leaves in uh little triple formations or whatever so that always gets in my head I always overthink it and so I was talking to the guy who does my lawn, Luke, about it. And then I was talking to Stevie, who's like got this incredible kind of papaw wisdom. Um, he has a lot of old man, common sense, gardening kind of wisdom. And so uh, with Luke, the lawn guy, I had him see if he could help me find like where I actually got it. Because that was the thing that was driving me nuts. I couldn't find the plant, you know, the the instance of it in the part of the yard that I was working in, but we did see it in a couple of other places in the yard. And the one telltale sign is that um, not only are there leaves of three, but they look shiny. They look greasy. Um, They have a greasy an almost brown, greasy film on them. And uh, that's a a good way to um, identify poison ivy and poison oak from some other things that might look similar. Um, Stephen has driven me nuts now with pointing it out. Like, I think when we played disc golf recently, um, he found it like 15 times in the park and kept showing me the difference between poison oak and poison ivy. Um, And at this point, I think it's just a running gag for him to... um, take the piss as the British say but anyway um, I will tell you this going forward I am going to really just like wear long sleeves whenever I'm working in the yard Um, I had gotten a little lax over the years because I had gotten really good at identifying it and getting rid of it quickly so um, I would say that anytime you go and work in your yard and you think that you could have like, oh, well, maybe there's a million to one chance that I might have encountered that. Just make a habit of, of using like a Dawn dish soap to wash your hands and arms. Um, you might even take a shower and use it because that degreasing agent in Dawn is one of the most effective things at getting rid of that Um straight out of the gate before it ever even really enters your skin but it's still on top of your skin dawn dishwashing liquid that's the number one like home thing um so over the years i usually don't notice it until it's actually started a blister so i'll have a small spot of it and it'll be like let's say day one like 12 to 24 hours after i probably encountered it that's when i'm gonna notice it and um my way of dealing with that very effectively and it's always worked and it's what my dad taught me to do um you rough up the blisters with an emery board or fine grit sandpaper and you take a cotton ball with straight bleach and you put it on there and it burns and it sounds like a really toxic 
approach and it is it's very effective um but it will immediately dry that out usually um just so you know all of those home remedies put this on it put that on it do this do that most of them really boil down to using some kind of astringent uh when the oil is still fresh on your skin um dawn will also help uh draw out from the blisters the oil if they're close to the surface of the skin uh but pretty much any kind of astringent will break up that oil whether it's um out rubbing alcohol uh apple cider vinegar bleach anything that um will break up the oil will be effective so one of the old school remedies that i think might be the most effective for you to do if you see that you've got a small patch of poison ivy and it's probably within that first day is to take paper bag like paper grocery sack cut it into little strips or blobs about you know that cover the affected area soak them in apple cider vinegar and apply it to the skin and let it dry there on your skin it'll stick to you kind of the way that shaving cream will stick to you know a nick on your face when you're shaving it's the same kind of concept but um, that astringent in the paper will draw the oil out and uh, the wet paper will kind of hold it there almost like a bandage and at that point you've probably gotten it I got way beyond that point. And the reason it got so bad for me was I had an allergic reaction to the medicine that the pharmacist recommended for me to take for it. Now, the only other thing in the world that I am highly allergic to is antihistamines. And the antihistamines were hidden in an over-the-counter topical medication as a secondary analgesic, in air quotes. Um, It was called an anti-itch agent, but when you looked at it, um, the name of the the compound, in very fine print, had to have a magnifying glass. It was not one of the first ingredients listed. It was like third or fourth or fifth, but there it was, an antihistamine. And I asked the doctor this time when I went in, you know, can you absorb an antihistamine into your bloodstream from the skin and she said absolutely especially if you are applying it and reapplying it for days and days and days so I got hives in reaction to the poison ivy medication which in turn gave me heart palpitations and really bad ringing in my ears so badly that I can't sleep which I knew I was like why are my ears ringing and why haven't I slept in three days? Um, that's like a telltale sign that I've had antihistamine in my system. So um, my boyfriend Stevie was like, why don't you just use calamine lotion like everybody else on the planet? And I said, you know, we never had calamine lotion in the house. There was some reason why my dad didn't like it. And I don't really remember why. I, in my mind, I just thought, it was, oh yeah, that doesn't really do anything. Like that was the, if you just dry it out with the bleach, you don't need that stage anyway. And so for some reason that I had forgotten the origin of, I just never used calamine lotion. Nobody in my family did. So after all this has happened, talking to my dad on the phone, he was like, oh yeah, I'm highly allergic to calamine lotion and you probably are too. And that's the reason why we didn't use it. So... I treated the one thing I'm most allergic to in the world with two other things that I am highly allergic to. 
All right. I'm almost into to the end of the, the story of the pain and suffering of poison ivy um, part of this. But uh, yeah, so it just ended up being one of those things where you get into a situation where medicine makes it worse and then the medicine to treat that makes it worse. And it, it was just going around in circles and it had gone on for over two weeks. And I finally broke down and said, you know what, I've got to go get a steroid injection because I knew that um, if it gets really, really bad, that's the one thing that they can do for you to help your body um, release it. And if nothing else, I needed a steroid injection to release my response to the antihistamine. Um, there's, there just comes a time, you know, when herbs and old school uh, pioneer medicine and crystals and intentions and, you know, uh, magic spells are just not going to cut it in medical scenarios. And I've said this many times. One of the best ways that spirit can assist you is by putting you into contact with the right professionals at the right time with the right resources and knowledge here in the real world. That's how your prayers are answered. It's other people who know how to help you. You know... 50 years of all this homeopathic knowledge and two full weeks of, you know, practice regarding this health situation that I deal with every year. Um, this just came a time when I had to rely on something different and I was really locked into all that practice and all that knowledge and all that wisdom. And I was very stubborn to get to the point to see Slade, this is completely out of your control. It's gone way, way, way too far. And I don't know if it was the COVID-19 pandemic that was helping to, you know, repress my ability to recognize that I needed to seek help. But, um, you know, whatever the case may be, um, when I finally did experience that feeling of like, I've got to do something about this now, those deci- those decisions happen very quickly for me. And I often talk about the fact that intuitive hits are like really fast. Um, they come at you so quickly that they make your head whip around and then there's no one there. That's, you know, one of the metaphors that I would use. Um, so just to let you know really quickly, after going to the doctor and undergoing all this stuff, I was better within 12 hours. Um, you know, after, after two weeks. So, uh, I feel a little stupid for not maybe doing something sooner, but you know, everything happens when it happens, you know, and, and the timing is what it is. And the weird thing was when I finally did break down and, and go get medical help, it ended up being like one of the best medical experiences that I've ever had. Like, just overall, any kind of healthcare situation, everything about this scenario was so hashtag blessed. It was spooky, you know, and it kind of had some Stranger Angels scenario written all over it. Um, It was almost like the experience only existed for me. It felt a little bit out of time. Um, It felt like I was in a waiting room in a dream. Uh, There were moments where I realized when I left my home and and left my mom behind and I was by myself and I went and I went through this entire scenario and I only encountered three people 
who were there in that office and then I left and I remember when I was leaving and almost felt like I was passing through a portal um, I didn't feel as much that way when I arrived as I did when I left. I almost felt like, okay, the doors to ferry just closed behind me. And I came and, and had this experience to get what I want. Um, but it was only after that moment that I started to go, oh, wow. There was a lot of intuitive hits and scenarios and synchronicities in there. And I was following them in the moment. I was adjusting. Um but I thought it would be cool to share those with you guys because I noticed a lot of them after the fact and it was, they were really obvious and clear when I look back at them. Um, so yeah, uh, to go to an urgent care clinic on a Sunday afternoon during COVID-19, uh, was probably an idea that anybody would have been resistant to. Um, and, most of the places that are seeing patients, whether it's a hospital or a walk-in clinic or whatever, they have these tents in their par- parking lots, right? And they have these long wait times and you got to sit in your car and they come and get you. And so I was like, oh God, you know, this is going to be a headache. Um, when I Googled initially for places nearest me, because uh, again, this is a Sunday, right? When I finally break down. After the ads, and I'm not counting the ad, the paid ad block that, you know, puts you right at the top of the search return, but the very first return listed was a location that is relatively far away from me downtown, but it's in the same building as my gym. It's a satellite of the ER at the hospital where I've had all my surgeries, where my doctor is, um, in practice, uh, you know, it was kind of like my personal hospital's urgent care satellite office. And I never knew what that place was, but here's the weird thing. I park there illegally all the time when I go to the gym. Don't tell anyone. And I know there's two of you who are listening who go to my gym and who are in classes with me. And if you start taking my secret spot, I'm going to kill you. Don't get us caught. Don't get us busted. So anyway, there is this parking space that I discovered. um, And I knew it was at some kind of medical office facility because I'm usually there kind of after hours. And and that's part of the reason why I do it. I'm not just, you know, blatantly taking some emergency space from a doctor or something like that. But I go to my gym in the evening, kind of of around the time that their staff starts to leave. And um, so anyway... Most people don't know that this place exists, and I don't mean the parking space. I mean the the urgent care satellite office. It's tucked away in an old building where the gym is. It doesn't look like any kind of doctor's office. Um, and the only way that I knew when I was Googling that that was an urgent care facility is because the little images in Google was a picture of my parking space. And I went, oh, that's what that place is that's what the doctor's office is that's there and why I see people going in and out in scrubs. I never thought about it before. Um, so what was really weird though, is I immediately, and I'm, you know, I'm telling you this stuff and like, I'm breaking it down and overanalyzing my thought process. It's happening in a matter of seconds, but in a matter of seconds, I see the picture of my parking space and I go, Oh my God, that's my, 
that's my gym. That's where I park when I go to the gym. I didn't realize that that's what that was. But it still is not anywhere near me. And I had chosen the Google search suggestion, urgent care, walk-in, near me. And so I'm like, why would that show up first? That's not even... Like, there are two or three of them that are within five miles away, and this was getting into like a, a 9, 10, 11 mile range. But it showed up first, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And um, so I immediately kind of wanted to push past it, like that one's not the closest one, I need to go to somewhere close, uh, because that's this search term that I had agreed to. So um, I looked at one that was only like, you know, two and a half miles away, and um, I had seen that place. It was one of the places, like I said, that has the tent out in the parking lot and stuff. And I thought, oh God, I thought, you know, I'm just going to call them and just see, you know, is it a madhouse over there or do you have people waiting in the parking lot? Uh, who knows? They might say, we're relatively quiet. You should go ahead and come. And this is like one thirty in the afternoon almost. So I called them up with the intention of just kind of checking to make sure they'd take my insurance, see what the protocol was. Do I go to the tent first, even though I don't have any kind of COVID symptoms? What's the deal? And I'll tell you this, straight out of the gate, the person who answers the phone was not my vibe. Like really, really off-putting energy. And one of the things that I've you've heard me talk about before is this idea of manifesting people and not things. So you need a solution. You need a doctor with a, a steroid injection. You need to manifest the right person who is that person, who comes with those resources. But it needs to be, um, when you think about, when you envision that happening, think about somebody really wonderful and compassionate and... Uh, with a wonderful bedside manner and picture the doctor that you want to encounter picture the nurse that you want to encounter picture the person who is um, greeting people when they walk in that door that's what you're manifesting you're manifesting people because people can do all kinds of things to help you they can break rules for you they can move you up in line they can show compassion um, that may be outside of and beyond just going through the motions of their job. So the first intuitive hit I got was just this weird, like, why is it showing me that place first when it's not anywhere near me? The second intuitive hit I got was, this is not my people. This energy is so off-putting. The person who spoke to me on the phone was so rude and so dismissive. And I thought, I'd almost rather die than have to, like, encounter this person. Uh, So that was my sort of second uh, red flag. The third hit that I got was really about timing. And so I I kind of would define this almost more like a synchronicity. Um, So like I told you, I go to this particular parking space. Um, It's literally right in front of the door. I call it a space because it is the space in front of the door that that I'm going to. And um, there's so many times over months and months and months that I have rehearsed getting ready, 
putting my shoes on, putting my contacts in, brushing my teeth, walking out the door. And you know how those places that you go to on a routine basis, like your job or whatever, you have it timed down to the, you know, um, microsecond. You know that you can get away with, as long as you leave within this 15 seconds of this minute, you won't hit that light. You know what I mean? Like it's so um, choreographed to allow you to get there at the last possible moment. And so I have these time markers, you know, like if I'm going to get to the gym at five o'clock, there's something that happens at, you know, 426 and then 430 and then 433. Like there are these moments where I have to have my shoes on, be in the car, be pulling out of the driveway. You know, it's, it's all timed. And it was weird because when I looked again at that first hit, that location, and I thought, should I go there? I mean, it's farther away, but you know, it's at my gym. And I looked at my watch and weirdly, this was another thing. All the other places were open, you know, like eight to eight or whatever. They were open all day long. This particular place, um, Erlanger Express, I think is what it's called. Um, Erlanger Express's office is not open on Sunday until two in the afternoon. And as I'm glancing at my watch going two in the afternoon, it is 126, which is my put on your shoes, put on your contacts, let's go um, cue. And I thought, and it was weird because I felt this impulse to go ahead and start going through the motions as if I'm going to arrive there at the top of the hour, like I would for a class. Now, the reason I was so hell bent on arriving there right at two is I thought, oh, if I arrive there right at two, I'm literally going to be the first patient that they'll see. So I'm not going to go there and have like a long line of people to stand behind. So I thought I'm going to be there right when the doors open. Like I'm going to walk in with the nurse if I have to and they unlock the door. And if I just go through the motions, um, I can, you know, it'll time out perfectly. So I start doing all those things. Just like part of my brain is still like, do I really want to go there? Is, you know, should I go to a, a, try a third one, whatever. But I thought, no, this is, if this works out, it works out. Um, much later, by the way, having experienced it all, it, it felt like it really unfolded. And in a matter of like less than a half an hour, and for anything that has to do with the healthcare system to unfold perfectly and completely in less than a half an hour is a magic spell in and of itself. So I'm being pinged at 126, you know, at 2:15, not even an hour later, I'm walking away and the, you know, the portal is closing behind me and I thought, "Damn," you know. Um so that's one of the reasons why I sort of went back and started to slow down and examine like these little clues that I was getting. And so again, this whole idea of, you know, focusing on manifesting the people, not the thing. Um, I get there and, and the, the man who's out front, you know, a young guy who's just like the intake person is super sweet and he's watching um, cornhole on ESPN, which is like one of the only things that I would watch on a sports channel. And so I was like, Oh, well, cool. You know, like I don't have to watch some other kind of sport that I wouldn't want to see. If we're going to watch sports, this is the, this is it for me. And so we were having a conversation about cornhole uh, which led to disc golf. And, um, so I thought, okay, well, if nothing else, 
this is the exact opposite of that awful, hateful person that I called at the other place. He was super cool. And, and then, you know how you have to fill out like all that paperwork every time you go anywhere? They were like, what's your birth date? What's your last name? And I tell them and they're like, okay, yeah, you're all already in our system. Because again, I go to um, that the main hospital for for that office and um, and other doctors that are associated with it. So it was like didn't have to fill out any paperwork or anything. They immediately took me back. I was concerned that I was going into the cesspool of germs, and it turns out I'm the only one there. It's just me and a nurse and a doctor and a little guy out front. They take me back. The coolest part when it comes to manifesting the person, not the thing, is that this doctor is the first person who ever really elaborated and engaged me in a conversation about being allergic to antihistamines. And I told her that I had been putting that on medical forms for years, and a lot of medical personnel would challenge me and say, well, that's not really an allergy. It's more like a side effect reaction that you experience in the extreme. And she was like, no, 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 no. I have the exact same experience you do. And it is an allergy. You are allergic to antihistamines. And this is what happened. And she started to just explain everything that I experienced in the last two weeks. And she also was extremely empathetic to overall the the fact that I can't take this class of drugs and we were sharing like the things that we do instead and homeopathic stuff. And anytime you talk to a doctor um, who is open and excited and willing to engage you and and talks about herbs and stuff, then I feel like, you know, um, the heavens have opened and angels are singing. And so she was just so cool, you know, and, um, and I really felt like, wow, she's totally my people. And I'm so glad that I came and had this conversation with her because anybody could have given me a steroid injection. Um, but not everybody could have educated me, um, about what I was experiencing, uh, with the same level of compassion that she did because it was personal to her. And you know what? I think they were a little bored. So they were super sweet to me and like, um, and less socially disconnected sometimes than people are in those environments. Um, it was so quiet and it was clean and the facility was brand new. And like I said, I felt a little bit like I was in a dream of going to urgent care. Um, and so, um, it all happened so quickly. And then I was leaving and and I thought like, damn, that was charmed, you know? And it happened because of that initial impulse, that initial search return that showed me that space that immediately triggered an awareness in me, like, that's my space. That was the message that went through my head. That's my space. And so at the moment, you're probably not thinking about your parking space being a message from your intuition or for your from your subconscious or from your guides or whatever. But the message, that's your space. Um, ended up being like really literal uh, and, and, and expansive in a way. It did turn out to be my space. It was where I was meant to go in that moment. Um, Stevie did ask me like, why didn't you just put this shit in the power bowl? <laughs> uh, the prayer bowl, I'm sorry. And um, 
the reason I had that little Freudian slip there is because uh, the prayer bowl to me is for things that I have no power to influence. I usually also don't put myself in there. I usually use it for other people. But um, I focus putting prayer requests around things that I feel like I literally have no power to influence in any way uh, that kind of require a miracle. And so my question, you know, would be to you, in these situations where you might be praying for an answer to something or looking for um, a choice to be made or looking for some kind of uh, message from the divine to help you in a moment, you know, do you have some power? Uh, Take a moment, take a beat and ask yourself, like, do you have any power at all in this situation to affect it in in a literal way? can you affect the situation through some type of choice or action? You have to take a choice or take an action, any action, in order to bring out these signs, to sort of shake out these messages and get them to move. It's almost like you have to go up and grab the tree and shake it a little bit in order for it to start to um, shed these signs and synchronicities. But as long as you stay there frozen, not taking action, not making a choice, it's impossible to kind of affect this back and forth or to create this dialogue with the environment around you. You kind of have to ping the universe. You know, you have to drop a stone and then listen for it to land to determine how far it fell. And then you hear the messages. Then you get the clues. Um, Clues and messages and signs are information at their you know very basic form and keep in mind that intuition is fast and it's usually subtle or quiet or it just seems to be that way because it does come and go so quickly it could be loud but it might be an instantaneous loud and then gone um so My first impulse was to dismiss those first few signs and then to move on to logic, ignoring that search return that did not make sense. Why is this showing me this first? This is your space. Okay, no, that's not closest to me. And I started to dig in a logical way um, into the information that was being returned to me. And even redoing those search returns and you know trying to force it to tell me no i want something that's close to me um i i kept asking for close to me as opposed to this is your space um i was really quick to want to shed what i perceived as an error in the moment the very first instance of i need to do something I'm taking an action. I'm looking for information. And then the first thing that was returned to me, I wanted to get rid of because it didn't kind of fit my definition of, I guess, what I was expecting or whatever. And, you know, that is the very definition of a red flag. So, you know, I'm not going to lie to you um, and say that I don't need to backtrack and to rewind the tape a few frames in order to return to those moments and kind of plod back through them more slowly, you know, retracing your steps, so to speak. 
but if you're used to practicing this and it's worked for you a couple of times, then you get faster and faster and it becomes a bit of muscle memory. You're retracing those steps almost as quickly as you're having them, denying them, then saying, okay, wait a minute, um, going back and forth. You know, and this was all happening, playing out in a matter of minutes. And I even had my mom here in the house as this voice of logic. Why would you go downtown if there's this place that's closer? What about the one over here? What about the one over here? And it was because she was engaging me in that dialogue that I was able to say, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. There's something about this other place. It's my space. It's familiar to me. Um, the timing is seems unique. I'm going to follow that. Um, seek information. Anxiety comes from a lack of information, by the way. Um, intuition is information. It can be impulse or feedback, but it is information and it's communication. And in order to have a dialogue, you have to initiate the communication. Get your information. Investigate. Call. Ask. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit shiftyourspirits.com. You can also download a free ebook and a meditation to help you connect with your guides. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or with one of our featured practitioners, please go to sladeroberson.com slash readings. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message and answer to a question or a concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. It's necessary to be able to take risks, to explore, and to be someone who does things differently than other people. When things are just not working, you need to try different combinations and possibilities, options that others just may not have the guts to employ. Be willing to go out on a limb, and I'll talk to you later.